Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss the latest Chiefs news, including Orlando Brown's holdout and Justin Ross's injury. But Joe, here we go. Chiefs training camp is underway. The vets are there. The rookies got a few days under their belt, and it's time. It's you know you turn on any of the major sports channels and. It's all you see. Training camp news, NFL news. It's great that it's at the forefront. You know, I love baseball. I enjoyed the uh, winter sports this year, following hockey and and basketball. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's 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 football season and um, it's ready to go. And I think the NFL is is doing a great job of, of keeping everybody's interest. And I think it's going to be a really, really good season. And if you're an AFC West fan, I think it's going to be spectacular. I think it's going to be an unbelievable uh, series between the AFC West teams, and we're going to see a lot of fireworks and a lot of fun. I agree. And one of the biggest storylines uh, in Chiefs training camp is the absence of Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, when Andy Reid was asked about it last Friday, um, he immediately said he, may, he immediately mentioned Joe Thune that he could fill in. We saw him do that. So it definitely against yeah. the Bengals in the regular season. Um, mm-hmm. Joe, does he has the skill set to do that long term? If this holdout does stretch into the preseason, maybe even season, your are, take on on are you, at tackle? Are you it's, talking it's, about Joe Thune at tackle or Andy Reid fending off the media about Orlando <laughs> Brown? That's a, you. You mentioned you brought in the Joe Thune at the very end there, and it sounded like your question was be like, does Andy Reid have the chops to you know fill in? And, and, and continue to, to fend the media off with, uh, with this holdout. And I have to say, Jeff, I, I, I really I have to believe that Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be on opening day roster. He's going to be starting at left tackle. I, I think, you know, Andy saying that Joe could get in there and get it done is an obvious, um, you know, it's, it's a play to obviously that he did it, right? That, that Joe has filled in at left tackle and he did a great job and he did the job that he needed to do. But I have to say that Orlando Brown's going to be at left tackle when this starts. I, I don't think he's going to want to risk a season like this by being considered one of those holdouts, you know, that, that drags into the season. So, you know, am I going to cross my fingers and my toes that he is? Yeah, but I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'd have to make a bet that that Orlando Brown will be will be on there, and, and it's maybe it's maybe it's a bet online uh, number that they put out there that Orlando makes makes the opening uh, opening day roster as far as a starter. I'm not that worried about it, Jeff. He's not going to miss that much. I mean, we we've talked about this before on past pods. You know, what are the, what's he really missing? A practice a day. Um, I'm sure he's working out, getting he's in great shape. You know, athletes are athletes um, at that level. I think he'll be fine. I think we're going to be absolutely fine. Him coming in, you know, he's going to miss a, a little bit of speed, you know, of the game when it starts and maybe get a little bit of a slow start, but I think he's going to be fine. That's my take too. Now he, he has until week 10 um, of the regular season. He could, he could show up anywhere, you know, he could miss all the way up until week 10 and still get that $16.7 million 
franchise tender. So hypothetically possible, but I think he would uh, cause enough bad blood and actually hurt his stock a little bit if he chose that. Now, hypothetically, if he if he did sit out some games, even the game, we, we, we've seen Tooney be able to do it. Um, like we said, against the Bengals, he did really well. What again, what, what is his skill set though, that did allow him to fill in uh, so well when he's kind of a burly guard? I think it's technique and that he's an athlete, you know, mm-hmm. I think he's, um, he's just one of those types of players that can adapt. I mean, he's, he's got, um, you know, he's got really great feet and he's able to, um, pick his spot. Right. And he, he's got such good mechanics and he's, he's so good, uh, at, at getting to the right spot that he's not going to make that big mistake. And I think that's probably what, um, you know, I think that's probably where, where he's going to, um, really shine, uh, if he does have to play left tackle and look, is he going to have an all pro pro bowl season left tackle? Probably not, but I know he'll definitely be serviceable because of his technique and his athletic ability. I think that's what's going to bring him out there. Joe, my take is that because I could see Orlando Brown miss a good chunk of t- training camp, some preseason games. My take is for that, if that is the case, that, you know, the Chiefs might want to see what they have with Jared Christian or somebody like that. If this would go into the regular season, which again, neither of us think that's mm-hmm. going to be the case. But if it did, I think that's when Andy Reid would think about Tooney. I think he wants to kind of see what, how his backups look. And then, you know, the, in, case of emergency, you break the glass and bring Tooney in if it was a regular season situation. Otherwise, I think he wants them to just continue working at a guard and get that continuity. Is that kind of what your approach would be? I, it's a, that's a great, great point, Jeff, and a great question. It's exactly what I would do. I think, you know, when you look at these situations where you have a player who is out or missing, you know, it's no different in, in anybody's work. Do you do you disrupt um, what is working and move too many pieces around and you lose a lot more than you gain? I think when you do that, I'd, as good as Joe Thune could be at left tackle, I think you lose a lot more by him moving out, moving in a backup. You know, I see, you know, obviously a Nick Allegretti being able to jump right in there for Joe, but. I think you, then you're then you're just you're, you've got two moving parts, right? You've got somebody playing out of position, and then you've got a backup filling in and playing at a position, and then your chemistry's off, right? Consider considering that the the from center out from Creed and Trey and Andrew Wiley are all going to stay very consistent. I think, I think we're going to I think they're going to be absolutely fine. You know, I'd rather have a, a B type player coming in at tackle and keeping my A players everywhere else. You know, rather than taking an A player like Joe Thune, moving him out to left tackle where he becomes a B player, then you're taking a, a backup and moving him in. It's just too many moving parts. That I was a long-winded agree. answer to a short question. <laughs> no, and I agree with that. Continuity is yeah. always good. Joe, you know, I look at that line. We both like Nick Allegretti a lot. I think we think he's starter caliber. Starter caliber. It, that You'd miss a continuity. It's not as good with Brown. But I'll tell you what, with uh, if you have Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Allegretti at the guards, um, Andrew Wiley at right tackle, Tooney at left tackle. That's actually, it's not nearly as good as the Chiefs line 
uh, is now, that's still a pretty good line. Still a good line. And that's, hey, listen, Jeff, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times on our pod, this is what Brett Beach and Andy were avoiding from what happened back in the Super Bowl debacle. And, and I think this is exactly what they, you know, what they wanted and, and, and the place that they wanted this team to be in from an offensive line perspective is to have multiple starters as backups. And, you know, at one point we, we joked about it. They had 11 starters, mm-hmm. right? If you consider looking at the, at the players past history that was, that were on the roster, they had 11 starters on, on the roster at one point. So, you know, that's what they wanted. And like you said, they're either way, it's not going to be, it's, it's going to hurt, but it's not going to be something I think that's going to cost them the season. If those players start to play together, if Orlando Brown decides to hold out and he spends three, four five weeks, even, you know, not, uh, you know, actively playing, I think it, um, you know, I, I, it's not our perfect scenario, but I don't think it does enough damage to say, Oh, the, you know, our season's over. Now, the one thing I worry about Jeff is the first eight games, you know, everybody always says, and, and, you know, it's, it's going to set the tone for the season. And, you know, as we know, the chiefs are playing the toughest first half season in the history of the NFL. When you look at the, at the winning percentages mm-hmm. and, and the records of the teams that they're playing from the season before. And, you know, I just don't want there to be any excuses if they come out, you know, three and five or something crazy because of their schedule and not having Orlando Brown and Patrick's running for his life. Mm-hmm. Cause Joe, you know, Joe can't make the, you know, adapt to the day to day of playing left tackle. And then the, then, you know, then of course defensive coordinators are going to throw, start throwing stuff at Joe. Who's not used to operating out in space like that. You know, Jeff, it's, a, it's, it's when you operate with the bumpers of guard, any guard will tell you, you know, it definitely is a different spot to be in. You know, like I said, it's like, it's like bumper, bumper bowling, right? If anybody's ever been to a bowling alley and you, you know, you got the bumpers, you could, you never get any gutter balls. And that's what playing guard is like, you know, you take the, you take the guardrails down, you know, when you're playing tackle and you're out there in space. And a lot of times, you know, your left tackle is, you know, on an Island, um, you know, I still, I still want it to be. It, I don't want it to be an excuse for the Chiefs not having a, a, a great first half of the season and, and and being behind the eight ball from the beginning. Um, that's not where they want they want this season to go, especially as competitive as the AFC West is going to be. Um, so I think they they got to go in with the full complement, and I hope that Orlando, you know, sees the light and and you know does the deal, gets in, and then let this season speak for itself. You know, if 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 you want the big, big bucks, come out, take the, take your money that you're going to get this seat, get the franchise tag money, which ain't bad cash in your pocket. <laughs> Six, um, seven million. Yeah. You know, get, get the money in your pocket, have a great season. And then he writes his own ticket, right? Because he'd be showing the NFL, whether it's, it's the chiefs he resigns with, or he becomes, you know, uh, the free agent of choice on the offensive line. You know, he, the guy's going to write his own ticket. If he has a great, even a, a, a Pro Bowl caliber season. He doesn't have to go to the Pro Bowl, but if he has a Pro Bowl caliber season and he does the right thing by stepping up and getting in there game one, look, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna hold it against him for for holding out for camp. I mean, that's a that's a it's almost like the smart thing to do, right? Don't put the extra tear on your body. But if he shows up for game one, he's gonna he's gonna score a lot of points out there in the marketplace and I think it sets him up if he has a great season. You know, you got you to do that. You have to have confidence in yourself. Well said, Joe. 
Well, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the online source for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, so now we already, rookies, veterans, everyone's there uh, at training camp. Was it split up the same way in the 90s where you had rookies and quarterbacks report first, like they were there over the weekend, and then the veterans came? Was that, uh, I couldn't remember if that was always the case. No, everybody came in together. You you showed up, you showed up with the team and, you know, you, you got there when everybody else, now we had a rookie mini camp. So that was nice. We did get to know the rookies, but, uh, when I was there in the nineties, uh, you know, everybody showed up on the same day. Um, and you didn't even really get that, uh, you know, luxury of just being there with your, your new found peers, right. Your rookies, uh, and any new players. Uh, which again, it makes sense, Jeff, if you think about the way training camp was, I mean, training camp was so long and arduous that it, it really didn't matter, you know, f- to have a rookie time, you, you were going to be there long enough. You didn't even need any indoctrination mm-hmm. today. They need a little bit of that, right. Cause they're not, there's not as many reps as they're going to get. Right. I mean, we got a lot of reps as rookies because we did two practices a day for six weeks. So you know, having a, having a rookie session today, you kind of almost have to have it because rookies, once camp gets started, you don't have time in a two, three hour practice once a day mm-hmm. to get a lot of reps for the rookies. So it's almost, That's a good point, it, it, it's almost like they, they have to have it for the rookies. Otherwise they wouldn't be, they, would, they wouldn't be able to work. Like it, it would throw things off because you'd be trying to roll rookies in there with vets and vets are trying to get some reps, the limited reps that we do get these days. I just think it would it would throw things off. But no, we didn't even we didn't need it because we had a long we had six weeks to to get all those reps we needed as rookies. So I, I think if this if it was like it was today, we probably would have, but we really didn't need it. Joe, that's great insight. I bet that's why it did change. Is just with the uh, the way training camp schedules have changed fewer practices, fewer two-a-days. It is a chance for those rookies to just get a little bit more work before they kind of get pushed behind those other veterans. Yeah, it makes me think of when I was in college. It's exactly what it was like when I was in college. We actually had uh, at Penn, um, we had uh, freshman football. Um, and and so my, fr- my freshman year, you weren't even eligible to play on the varsity. Uh, you had to play freshman football. So it was a great indoctrination into college football, right? To, to be able to run all the plays that the varsity was running, you know, with the people that you were going to be going all f- four years through college with, and, and you're playing against competition um, of the same caliber. So you're learning, you know, you're learning the game, you're learning offense, the offense that you're going to be running eventually. And you're not, you know, basically we always used to joke freshman football, 
afforded us the opportunity to not hold dummies for the varsity, right? Which was, you know, sitting there holding the pads and letting the varsity guys block you or, you know, running on the scout team, running somebody else's stuff, right? You're running the, the opponent's offense or the opponent's defense. You're not really learning your, your own offense that you're going to be running eventually. I kind of liken it to that, which was a really cool thing. I wish more athletic organizations did that where you had sort of that year to develop. And that's kind of what I think the rookie – you know, the extra days they bring in made me think of when I saw those rookies showing up, I was like, Oh, that's kind of like a, a, a shrunk down version of my freshman football season <laughs> where you're, you're, you're just kind of, you're the only ones there doing stuff. Did you, did you dominate on the freshman? Cause you know, Hey, th- there aren't other, there weren't other pen guys to begin with who were second round draft picks in the NFL, let alone on the freshman team. Did, did you really kind of, uh, you know, dominate that level? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good transition for me. And I, you know, I had a good, a good freshman season that caught some people's eyes and, uh, you know, got a chance to, uh, you know, to go up with the varsity at the end of our season and, and, and be one of the players that got to go up and practice with the varsity uh, and start to get a taste for what it was going to be like. So Uh, so the freshman season kind of ended early and then, yeah. Practice. Yeah. And you could go up and you could at least practice, you couldn't play in any games, but you could practice once your season was over. So it was kind of nice to be able to, you know, get picked to do that. And, uh, you know, Jeff, it was really my, my, between my freshman and sophomore years where I, I really grew. Um, you know, I went in, I went into Penn at like six, five, maybe two thirty, two thirty five 235 um, as a freshman. And by the time my freshman season ended, uh, or my freshman year ended, I was 265 and I went into wow. training. I went into training camp as a, as a sophomore at 275. Wow. That's so, wow. so it was, I, that was the year that I really, really grew, um, was between freshman and sophomore year. So, you know, it was because I'd never lifted weights up until that point. And, you know, I spent my entire freshman year, you know, lifting weights. I'd never lifted in high school at all. I played baseball and basketball all season. So it was really, um, a really a chance to eat well, not compete against my three brothers for every piece of pizza that was on the table <laughs> and eat all I wanted and I could do all the lifting I wanted. So my body started to really respond well to it. And, uh, it was kind of like, and then by the time I, you know, my sophomore year came around, it was, you know, I was ready to go. Uh, well, speaking of freshmen leads us to talking about rookies, Joe, we've got to talk about, uh, Justin Ross mm-hmm. and his injury. Uh, we now may know why uh, Justin Ross, who the 6'4", 205 pounder, who had a thousand receiving yards as a Clemson freshman. Speaking of freshmen, I mean, what a debut on that level to be that productive. So it was so astounding to me that he went undrafted. We knew he had a career threatening uh, neck injury. He missed all of the 2020 season because of it. Uh, but then he, he had foot surgery um, after the after the 2021 season and he's had now he needs season ending foot surgery again joe i mean that must i kept trying to wrap my brain around like yeah i know you have the neck injury and but still this guy is so talented how this guy went undrafted unfortunately i think we now know that you know in addition to the neck he had uh, a bad bad foot which is going to not allow him to play this year in the nfl yeah, I mean, it, you know, Jeff, staying healthy is the name of the game. You know, you, you you have to be out on the field to be able to compete and play. And you hate to see it happen to somebody who has so much talent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's big, he's fast, he's got the body. 
to do it uh, and to take it to the next level. I think he, you know, look, I wish him the best. And, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say he's not going to be, but I, I think he, I'm going to say could have been, you know, just with his measurables, you know, could have been one of the, one of the best receivers to come through Kansas city, especially mm-hmm. considering they got him as a free agent. If he could just stay healthy, right. It's what it's all about. It's about staying healthy um, uh, and get, and, and being able to get out on the field. And, and I think, you know, if he can come back from this, the foot injury, I mean, f- for the chiefs, it, it's really a, a lot of it's nothing ventured, nothing gained. Right. I mean, it's not as if they, you know, used a, a first round pick on him and took a shot and somebody who was, you know, who had had some injuries and things like that. So I think it was a good move for the Chiefs to give him that opportunity and to see that if he can, he can stay healthy. I mean, I give, got to give the guy a ton of credit and courage for getting out there and playing with the type of spinal injury that he has. Um, you know, with the fused spine and and all that. I mean, just just that alone is enough for me to want to have a guy like that on my roster. If if somebody's willing to put their body at risk like that to play the game, good gosh, I you know, I who doesn't want that guy on your roster? Um, and so, you know, he's, and he's crazy, you know, he's a great kid. And, you know, I, I hope, I hope he comes just flying back from this foot injury next year. And, and the chiefs have somebody in that's going to learn the whole season. He's going to be watching, he's going to be learning, he's going to be watching film, all these great veterans that the chiefs have on, 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 on the, in the wide receiving core and the meeting room is going to be rubbing off on him. So it could be, it could be just what, it could be just what he needs. So, um, I'm, 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 I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that it all works out for him. And it's, it's, it's really, it's really sad because, you know, it's just, it's just really sad because he has a, now, you know, for us selfishly as uh, you know, we've talked and we've had him on the pod, you know, we've talked about Justin Watson. I mean, I think it allows him, you know, he's, he's moved up into the two spot, um, you know, and, and maybe it, it takes a little bit of the competition uh, down a level for, for some other guys that we, you know, also want to see, you know, on this roster, you know, like Justin and Josh Gordon. And of course, you know, I think Sky Moore is going to be, you know, going to be a lock, obviously, considering, you know, his draft position and, 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 and the talk. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of, it's, it's good for it's, you know, other players are going to you know be able to move up a little bit without having, you know, Justin breathing down their neck. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of the other, right. That definitely helps Justin Watson's chances of making the team. You mentioned Josh Gordon. Uh, another guy it, it helps is 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 um, his former teammate uh, Justin Ross's former teammate Clemson Cornell Powell. It, yeah. it helps him, and I think that's part of the reason this was a good situation for Justin Ross. He had Cornell Powell. Um, Brett Veach is pretty close with Justin Ross's agent because he was also Sammy Watkins' agent. Um, who went to clubs and they signed it, whether the time was a really lucrative deal. So I think there's a good relationship there uh, from the, for the chief standpoint, there's still such a no brainer, such a smart move, take a flyer on Ross, a guy who's really talented, obviously have these injury issues and, you know, hopefully it, it, they still have his rights or, you know, if what happens when his contract expires chiefs with Mahomes and there's Clemson contacts I just mentioned, our desirable uh, landing spot for us. Now, I really hope I'm wrong, Joe, but I do worry about the long-term um, prospects of Ross. I mean, you were already, when you have a neck fusion thing, that's such a big deal. You worry about that, but then uh, a foot injury bad enough to, at this point, with so much uh, time still left in the season to rule him out the whole season and to have had two surgeries of late, 
I really hope I'm wrong, but I'm not yeah. I'm not necessarily optimistic about his. Yeah, it's definitely run. definitely not boding well. Um, but you know what? Hey, players have done it. They've they've come back uh, from injuries once they get a taste for what it's like to be in the league, and they see how you know the 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 technology that the you know these orthopedic surgeons and the trainers and all the great people that take care of the players and and the training techniques and. You know, we've seen some, we've seen a lot of miracles out there, right? Alex Smith, you know, players that we thought would never be on a field ever again that get out and, you know, start in games. So, you know, you keep your fingers crossed and you hope a guy like that, you know, gets his crack uh, and gets his at bat to get out and see what he can do um, because he is, you know, very, very talented and, you know, who, who knows? So we'll keep our, we'll keep our eye on him as the season's progressing and listen to how his, uh, you know, comeback uh is coming and and we'll we'll, we'll sort i'm sure i'm certain we'll, we'll be talking about him come mini camp next year uh about you know competing for a spot for sure and we encourage all the fans out there to go to training camp it is a a fun experience you can really get, see the chiefs up close and personal uh, a real perk is is the autograph sessions they have each of the days um, they have certain players designated. Joe, what, what do you re- you remember from that? Did they? I assume they had the same setup in River Falls. That there were certain days that did you give autographs, or was it just people would uh, find you as you're you're going off the field? How did that work? Yeah, we we would have we would have like a, a Chiefs night where every it was like an open house on the field and fans could come down and talk and you know meet you and they had you know stations set up for autographs, but. I have to say it was, it, it definitely wasn't as organized as that. Yeah. And I was looking at that too, Jeff, where, where, you know, it was like O-line, D-line. And then I think QBs and specialists are way down the list. They're, they're kind of a little bit later in camp. I saw, you know, if anybody wants to get a crack at Patrick uh, and getting an autograph, but um, you know, I, we, we were basically ex- accessible to the fans who came to River Falls pretty much all day throughout the day. I mean, if it, no, nobody was going to stop anybody from meeting you at the, um, you know, at the, uh, at the, at the, at the line walking into the, to the, to the training facility or our locker room that we had in the hockey facility, um, at river falls. So yeah, we were pretty much accessible all day. And, um, you know, I know that security tried to at least give us some private time, you know, for players around the dorms and, um, you know, to be able to kind of have some time, you know, to yourself to, to not have to worry about, you know, about offending somebody. Cause that's what players always, you know, so they always get worried about, right. You don't, you don't want to say no. And, but you know that you have a job to do and, you know, you want to get out to the field and you want to get practice. You want to get in the right frame of mind. And, you know, sometimes that can take you out of the moment a little bit, you know, when you're, when you're trying to really zero in on practice, but, you know, interacting with the fans was, was always really, really fun for me and, and, you know, and talking to them and they were right there. I mean, so, you know, they weren't obviously allowed to approach you during practice, um, they could catch you after practice, but it was pretty ad hoc. Um, and I'll tell you that the, the people of River Falls kept us pretty, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they gave us our space for sure. Did the fan interaction pick up after you started catching touchdown? I mean, you were kind of like, you know, made a name for yourself, kind of a cult hero uh, for, for Chiefs Kingdom back in the day. Did you start hearing more from fans, getting more autograph requests at camp after that? 
Yeah, it was definitely, you know, definitely a pickup there, right? Because you're not, you know, I was, I was, you know, and then I started doing the, the television gig with, right, you know, with Channel Nine and and so and doing the radio show. So yeah, I picked up a little notoriety. There wasn't your, I wasn't your typical, you know, anonymous uh, lineman, you know, kind of in the trenches for a little while there. But I'll tell you when it really picked up was when Joe Montana and Mark Sound got there. I mean, okay. I think I've told that story before, where, you know, we um, we used to train in the um, uh, we're not trained, but our, we would, we would gather and in the ice hockey rink is where our meeting rooms were and where our locker rooms were and everything. And it, it, it was kind of hidden from the stadium at river falls, uh, university of Wisconsin, river falls. And it was about a 5,000 seat stadium. Um, I would imagine typical division three, you know, nicely kept, you know, division three stadium. And, uh, we were um, coming out one day in 1993 after Joe and Marcus for our first practice. And, and we were, we were just in shorts and helmets. We weren't even hitting or anything that day. It was a stretch session, you know, everybody get their feet under them before we started, you know, our contact days and we were turning the corner and Alex Gibbs was kind of leading us out after our, our offensive line meetings before practice. And he's leading us out to the field and you couldn't see the field until you came around the hockey facility. And then all of a sudden it, it came and hit you. And it was like, we heard the crowd before we saw it and was like, we heard this, this like dull roar. And we looked at the stadium when we got there and there was 5,000 people standing room only packed into the stadium. And we were wearing helmets and shorts <laughs> and, and we weren't even hitting or like no team was coming in to visit us. And Alex gives, and you know, he had this great like North Carolina accent, you know, and Alex was, was relatively small guy. He was, you know, five foot something. And here he is coaching all these six foot four, five guys, right. John Alt, right. Towering over him. And he stops us and he's like, Hey guys, guys, guys. And I'll try to do my best, you know, North Carolina accent. He's like, (laughs) he's like, guys, boys, take a, take a look at all those fans up there. And we're like, He's like, I want to tell you one thing. You got to remember one thing as you're looking at all those fans today at training camp, they ain't here to see you. <laughs> <laughs> so we still, we would always laugh about that. Like, you know, they ain't here to see you. And we knew who they were there to see. And as we we're walking onto the field, he goes, Oh, and by the way, guys, your job's got a whole lot more important this year. And so, you know, he put like the fear into us that, you know, you didn't want to be the guy that let Joe Montana or Marcus Allen get hurt by missing a block. So yeah, it was, it was, that's my, that's always my favorite river falls crowd story because prior to that, I should have set the stage, Jeff, you know, maybe there was several hundred people even at a contact practice, right? We were out in the middle of nowhere, right? We're up mm-hmm. in river falls, Wisconsin. It's the eight. I don't even know how far of a drive it would have been back then, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine hour drive for the folks from Kansas city and not real close to any big airports, Minneapolis maybe, but you know, there was, a, it would be a trip to get up there to see training camp. And I'll tell you that changed when Joe Montana got there. Let me tell you, even though we had some good seasons in 91 and 92, when we moved up there to river falls, man, Joe and Marcus changed the game. So you talk about autograph seekers. Now those guys had security. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, it's so far away. Did you just drive up there? Did you take a plane and then how did we you flew? Yeah, okay. we flew. We flew. We flew, we flew to Minneapolis. We flew to Minneapolis, I believe. Yeah, and it was obviously we talked about this before. It was the Cheese League, right? And mm-hmm. you had to I'll have to pull the pull the old T-shirt out. I have. I saved it. You know, the Vikings, the Packers the saints uh you know the, the jaguars ultimately when they came into the season in uh, in the expansion year were up there so yeah we had we had quite a few uh quite a few teams up there in the cheese league in wisconsin and right there on the border where the uh, vikings used to train train in mankato 
uh, Minnesota. So yeah, it's, it was always, you know, Coach Schottenheimer would get us on that bus and we'd be driving around from campus to campus to practice against other teams. And, oh man, we hated it. <laughs> well, so it was probably kind of like a road trip in the sense that I assume you guys all needed a report to, you know, the Chiefs facilities at some point all gathered together. And then you all flew as a team to, to Minneapolis and then went from there. Yeah. Yeah. We would, you know, mo- most people would obviously get, you know, gonna, most people didn't leave their car at the uh, Kansas city airport for, for six weeks. So yeah, everybody, you know, you'd be friends, family, whatever significant others be dropping you off, you know, uh, they're, uh, you know, saying their goodbyes and uh, see you in six weeks or see you for an hour or two when we come home for one of the, one of the home uh, preseason games. And then it was off. Yeah. And then we, we, we'd all meet at the airport get on the plane and, you know, take several buses from, from Minneapolis to, uh, to River Falls and check into our dorm rooms and uh, security and equipment, all the equipment folks that have everything ready for us. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we, we were looking forward to the big seafood night at the end of training camp that, that Mr. Hunt used to have for us uh, at the end of training camp. He'd fly in all this great seafood. We'd have a big feast and we'd do the rookie show and, you know, man, there was nothing like that last practice when you were breaking camp. Whew. That was, that was, that was, that was heaven on earth, Jeff. Well, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.